0: Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley, Bridgeway's Director of Connections, and today my co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn, and I will be talking about how to have a disagreement. In a divided world, how can we engage in dialogue in a way that is healthy, productive, and Christ-honoring? Why is it that we struggle to talk constructively with people we disagree with? Why is it important that we learn to coexist with people who think differently than we do? And how does our faith equip us to be people who can love one another in the midst of our disagreements? these questions, and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Welcome to the Engaging P- Culture podcast. My name, once again, is Brian Kylie. Glad to have you listening. I am joined by the one and only Pastor Lance Han. Lance, how are you? I am wonderful. Good to see you, Pastor Brian. nice to be here. All right, yes, good to be here. So uh, those of you listening, you're listening at a later date, most likely, but we are recording on Halloween. So Lance, inquiring minds want to know, will you be dressed up for Halloween tonight? Absolutely
1: not. No, I actually don't like this holiday. My family loves it, especially my kids. I'm kind of bah humbug on all holidays. (laughs) I found that out. So it's not just Christmas. I'm a bah humbug. On Halloween. I actually don't really care for Halloween.
0: You don't discriminate in your bah humbuggedness. That's exactly right. I am an equal opportunity (laughs) humbugger.
1: Well, anyway, you heard it
0: here first, folks.
1: (laughs) Um, And then as far as dressing up and everything, um, I always think it's super cute seeing all the little kids. Like, I'm glad they all get a chance to dress up. I just don't want to dress up. Yep.
0: No, I I got you. I got you. All right. Okay, well, you know, you can dress up as a pastor hanging out at his house, so that'd be good.
1: I noticed that it is the same uh the same
0: costume as a serial killer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding.
0: Just trying to mess with and everybody. Here All we right. are. All right. Well, hey, we're talking about how to have a disagreement today. Lance, um our society man, it just seems like we are so polarized. Uh, and 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 I think everyone's mind jumps to the political and that's certainly true. There's a lot of polarization there. But I think it goes beyond that. It seems like regardless of the issue if there's an opportunity to disagree or to think differently or to even have a different point of view you just think about think about how hostile debates can get whether even if it's something like where kind of school should you send your kids to or um you know parenting philosophies i guess i think about that cuz that's my world we don't simply have our own points of view anymore it seems like More of us are more militant about our points of view and that our world is becoming more and more polarized. And it even seems like it's more polarized than it was maybe five or 10 years ago. Is the problem, do you think, is the problem truly worse now than it was maybe in the recent past? Uh, And if so, what do you attribute that to? And if it's not, maybe why does it feel like it is? Yeah,
1: I don't honestly think that hearts are any different. I think that if we're going to go back, let's say, uh, in our minds and picture the Midwest back in the 1940s or the 1920s, there were super opinionated people. Here's where I think things are different. I think that everyone considers themselves a self-made expert. Hmm. I think before it used to be... Those in authority were super demanding, mm-hmm. and then other people would fall in line. I don't think they agreed. I think they were, there was more respect for authority, but there was also more fear yeah. for authority. So I'm not saying it's healthier or less healthy. All I'm, all I'm trying to say is I don't think the, the problem is worse. It's different, right? and it feels worse because there's more arguments— Mm-hmm. because everyone is a self-appointed expert in this age of information overload. Yeah. That's my guess. What about yeah, you? No,
0: I think that there's some truth to that, that you're right. A lot of the, the maybe the stuff that we all thought, we now just have avenues to express it. Uh, technology, That's the right. internet, things like that make it possible for us to to share our views more uh to share our views in a, in, a, in, a, in a broader setting, even if we're not people that maybe work in the media or, or things like that. What's, what's a little bit odd to me is you would think that in a world where everybody can share their perspective, hopefully kind of the cream would rise to the top, so to speak, and that would lead us hopefully to more agreement, to better ideas, to, to a better way of understanding the world as we're able to, say, learn from one another. But that is not—that is clearly not what's happening. No, that is not what is happening. And 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 what does that say about our hearts? Do you think that that our access to different perspectives does not help us to grow into more mature thinking, but instead it just entrenches us more deeply into our own points of view too often?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, probably the answer to that question is um, the resistance is super strong in us. Um, so. The way that that, I think, gets carried out today is through filtering, right? I think we're still able to filter. I don't think we are hearing all the different opinions and letting the best rise to the top. I think that we are actually sifting out people who agree with us, yeah. and we're camping there and allowing it to stew and stew and stew until we think the whole world should think like us because right. everyone we listen to agrees with us, right? right. Um, but, but I think that what it says about our hearts— is that we are still very um, self-focused. I think yeah. we're self-obsessed. I think we think we're the center of the universe. I think that's always been the case. Yeah. Um, and now we have a way to communicate it uh broadly right uh whereas before maybe my arrogance could be hidden now i would like everyone to know that i'm an idiot all at the same time
0: our idiocy was only readily available <laughs> right. to say our household and a few people that we would hang yes. around our wives now, always that's knew it. that's right now know,
1: everyone knows it
0: i know you're a moron but yes. now you're able to show that uh show that to the rest of the world yeah um with that what else is there in our in our culture do you feel uh, that is prov- that is promoting unhealthy discussion about about controversial issues
1: um okay so you know how when you have a hammer everything looks like a nail yeah. <laughs> all right yeah. so i have this one issue that seems to inform everything i talk about and mm-hmm. so i'm just pointing out my bias right here right now okay uh here's my bias i think a huge amount of the unhealthy things that are going on in our society are due to busyness Okay. And so, for example, I think that we're having more disagreements because messiness of relationship and listening takes too much time. Hmm. I think we are driving so fast. We know what we know. We pick up information we want to pick it up. We are not willing to listen. We're not willing to walk through difficulty. Stereotyping is faster than actually processing, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that we throw things into categories for efficiency and moving at the speed of light. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, that's one of the reasons why culture seems to be feeding this is that if I'm going to listen to you in disagreement, at some point I gotta sit back and listen. Listening takes way too much time for people. And I don't think that there's any point. I think that it's, okay, you have 30 seconds, shout your opinion, I'll shout mine, and whoever shouts loudest wins. I think that's kind of how people want to do it. Right. As opposed to, uh, you may have a point, I'm not going to get to that point until we may be dialogue three separate times where I deeply listen, I process it, and then ultimately we're going to log about four and a half hours of conversation, and then I'm fully going to understand where you're coming from. There's no way people are gonna (laughs) sign up for that. Whereas before, I think that society moved at a slow enough pace that there was an allowance for dialogue without a bunch of self-proclaimed experts firing really fast. Like for example, if you go to a debate, right? Where um, let's say you're gonna go on a college campus and there's some type of debate, they have two experts. They don't, they're there to present their opinions as experts. And then allow everyone to decide who won the argument. Yeah, they're not there to listen. Right. As a matter of fact, they travel around and debate, <laughs> and they're
0: always at odds. They have a vested interest in not saying, "Oh, well, you're right. You've convinced me. <laughs> you're right. You win. <laughs> you win." Uh, so let me let me throw the question back to you. Yeah. So, what do you think
1: is going on in society that seems to be stirring the pot?
0: That's so interesting. I hadn't I hadn't really quite connected the dots with busyness, but it but it makes sense, right? We don't we don't have and we don't spend. The amount of time in, in real relationship to, to work through issues or to learn how to, how to disagree. I, I think, although now that being said, I think my biggest thing that I see relates to busyness in a sense now that I think about it, and and that is that I, I feel like in a less technological age, in, a, in an environment where we're, we have less access to the opinions of Uh, and preferences of people who we don't personally know, we tended to get to know one another on a on a conversational level, we would talk. And that is how relationships are formed, whether that's in a social setting, whether that's even you think about back in school, hey, we're all in the same class together and we might meet one another. Or in in college, we join an extracurricular activity or whatever the case may be. All the different ways we had of making friends. We have young kids, so we join a neighborhood co-op or play group, whatever the case may be. That was kind of the primary way that we'd get to know one another. And you don't go into those environments saying, hey, uh, hi, Lance. Nice to meet you. I'm Brian. Uh, Who'd you vote for for president? Uh, hey, how Absolutely do you, how do you not. feel about this controversial issue? We just, we didn't do that. Nope. We had conversations about our kids. We had conversations about our careers. We had conversations about all sorts of different you things. You gently walk into it. Exactly. So that when you get to the place of, of maybe you have a you, you get to a place where you start sharing opinions or you start discussing maybe cultural issues, there is a, a bedrock, a foundation of knowing one another's hearts. So you're more able to handle that.
1: No, that's brilliant. In
0: this day and age which again like I, I feel like it's we make it sound like technology's bad and it's not and or social media is bad and it's not it's it's neither good nor bad but what happens is we're able to hear each other's opinions often expressed very dramatically yes. without knowing each other's hearts yep. so we're much faster to just write Right. And there's no relational foundation to receive it. Exactly. There's no relational foundation. So all of a sudden it's, and it's interesting to me, even still in this day and age, I had this happen recently where somebody who I knew personally, I found out their opinion on something and it was super disappointing to me. I was just like, oh man, really? Like, that's what you think? But I had enough experience with the person then I'm not like, well, like we can't be friends anymore. Well, I need to leave the church because you go to my same church. Like, I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, what if I'm disappointed they think the way that they do, but I know it's, it's good. Was it me, Brian? It was you. Lance. <laughs> <laughs> no, this would be an awkward time <laughs> to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't you, Lance. Okay. Just wondering. Um, yeah. But to me, that was an example of how, okay, like I, like this is a bummer to me, but I'm not going to discard this, this relationship because of that, because right. I know enough heart. Well, there's more to support it, right? So you're saying, listen, for me to reject
1: you based on one opinion would make me lose all this other stuff about you. If there's nothing else to lose about you, I can easily discard you. So, for example, um, the first thing I may learn about you is that you are uber political. Let's say I've never even had a discussion with you, but your personal Facebook page is so littered with stuff. Mm -hmm. I haven't even got a chance to know about your kids I haven't got a chance to know about your family, I haven't got a chance to know about your spouse, I haven't got to know anything about you, the first thing I find out about you is laced with division. Or the first thing I find out about you is something that is controversial to me. Mm -hmm. Well, now all of a sudden I don't want to have relationship with you because the hardest thing between us was led with. Right. Yeah, right? No, that's I mean it's a like people point. walking around, nobody walks around with sandwich board signs, <laughs> you know, and it's saying something super offensive yeah. on it. That that's that's not how we work.
0: And nobody would look at a person who does that and, th- and think that, that sounds like a reasonable person that could have constructive dialogue with no, me. No, that right?
1: person needs to be institutionalized. <laughs> yes.
0: And yet we sort of we kind of digitally walk around with these sorts of sign boards and it and it and it obviously creates some challenges. Now, wait, no, hold, on, hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, let me let me just right, share all something all real right. quick and that is um, I was thinking about the the time thing, and
1: and as I was listening to you, um, more and more, it was soaking in my mind that who do we learn the most from is usually the people that we are forced to be around the most. So, for example, yeah. you were probably formed a lot by your teachers growing up as a kid sure. because you were stuck in an environment that forced you to have time with them mm-hmm. and to hear them all the way through. Yeah. Um, in the same way, I think I've probably been most changed by my family of origin or mm-hmm. I've most been formed and changed by my spouse Yeah, because we worked through it. Mm-hmm. We had time. And, and so what happened was is I can't just immediately reject my wife's opinions Right. as much as I would want to instinctually say, no, I think this, she's still in the room. Tomorrow, she's still in the room. You know what yeah. I mean? And so you have to dialogue and work through those things. Yeah. And that makes me marinate in it yeah. and
0: think through it. We have little to none of that in society anymore. Yeah. And what would you say about the state of your marriage because of the fact that you and your wife have had to work through those issues? Not only are we both healthier and we're more balanced,
1: but the relationship is deeper. Yeah. So everything is beneficial because of that.
0: Yeah. There is a sense of we don't give up on one another. And and there is strength that comes from being willing to, to wade into tough issues, to engage with things together, to not just kind of storm out of the room literally or figuratively, to not just check out. And you're right. I think because there, we don't have a lot of skin in the game relationally, we're much more quick to just divide and to 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 reject or to or to discard relationships where we find we're presented with ideas that are challenging to us.
1: Impatience is a huge deal because impatience comes from selfishness, which says I have an agenda, I have something I need to be doing and it's more important than anything else. Yeah. That impatience of wanting to move on to get to the next thing or whatever is not allowing us to have those quality timepieces, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the the impatience has increased in a microwave culture to where we're always saying, I want to move on to the next thing. Yeah. And it's just not how we're going to grow. Right. Uh, because I think that human nature is to not want to do the difficult thing. And I think that disagreeing well is difficult. Mm-hmm.
0: It's just necessary. Right. It and is. so it, largely it's avoided. You I think you're absolutely absolutely right about that. Now, you've kind of spoken to this a little bit, but I want to I want to dig into it a little bit more. It seems that we as a society are are quick not only to disagree, which disagreement is fine. That's part of people living together is disagreement. We're quick not only to disagree but to divide. To divide over our disagreements. Why do you think that is? Um I Self-preservation,
1: right? So a lot of things are vying for our attention and demanding on us. I think that's another element of our society that, that adds to this. You're being bombarded by opinions. And you learn very quickly as a young child to sift commercials and advertisement. And what you do is you reject. You go, yes, 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 no, 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 yes, no, yes, yes, no, right? As you're watching TV. Um, I don't need moon sand, Right. You understand what I'm saying? So if you have kids, you know what Moonsand is. Right. But but uh, you get all these you know, commercials, and so you're always taught to reject rapidly because another one's coming. Hmm. And so you are dividing from those commercials. You're dividing from those influences because you don't want another set of steak knives. You have enough knives. And if you land on QVC and hang out there too long, you're going to buy a ring you don't need. So... <laughs> So I think that we learn to divide, which means—and dividing is really shutting off and saying, I want you to go away. That's what dividing is. We do it in every other arena of life. Um, We are on uh, the radio, and it comes from a land of options, right? So in a land of options, you're traveling down the road, and a song comes on that you don't like. What do you do? You change the channel. Everything is about changing the channel, all the way down to DVRs where we skip over commercials. Yeah. Um, when you are taught from a, the earliest memories to divide and shut down what you do not care for, why would we not assume that that's going to happen in relationships with human beings? Right. What do you think?
0: That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of, of commercial products, but that's definitely the case. And I, and I think another challenge as well is that uh, this has always been the case. Um, I remember even, even recently reading a biography of, of Abraham Lincoln and, and hearing about Kind of how different voices would describe the same event, and how often it was very different, depending on the perspective of of, of the newspaper or whatever the case may be. But, but, but in our day, especially, there are, are so many options in terms of of media and in terms of different voices. So yes. we can tailor our environments yes. so that we're only always having our opinions reinforced. Yes. And and what's what's so heartbreaking to me is you look at some of the the top rated personalities whether it's cable opiniontainment in the evening kind of the you know the commentators in the evening or even the 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 people that you can hear on the radio during the day they advocate for a perspective and people that are different aren't just wrong they're bad yes and, and to me, that is so unbelievably toxic for a Christ follower to expose themselves yes. to that line of thinking. So if all I'm hearing on my commute every day is, boy, those liberals are all so bad and gosh, liberalism is a brain disease and oh man, conservatives, conservatives hate all these, this and that people and you know, whatever it is, p- all we're hearing constantly is people that think this way aren't just wrong, they're bad. Yes,
1: moral judgments. Right.
0: All of a sudden, if I find out that somebody else thinks that way again, I don't think they're wrong. I think they're bad, and I'm better than them. Yeah, that's massive.
1: No, no, no. Um, the other, the other thing that I, I keep hearing, and it's just radiating in my own head, is the danger of these experts, right? Because yeah. quote unquote, so yeah, quote unquote, um, <laughs> these experts, and here's why. Um, and maybe I've related to this on a podcast. I have no idea what we've talked yeah, about, and what knows? we haven't talked about, but um, you probably forgot, listener. Anyway, so you're like, whatever, <laughs> yeah. Lance. You always talk. Uh, but the uh, there was a book out called The Tipping Point yeah. by Malcolm Gladwell. a mm-hmm. uh, Very, very important book in my mind um, because it talks about how do fads start and how do things go viral and all that stuff. And, and really what it's asking is saying, what causes things to go popular? And there's two elements. He said there's two real people that are involved in any fad. He said there's mavens and there's connectors. A maven is an expert. A connector is who knows people and disseminates information. Mm-hmm. So every fad starts with a connector hearing someone they deem to be an expert, believing they have the best product, And they tell everyone about it that's how stuff goes viral because the experts aren't being listened to by everybody they don't they don't have the connection power Mm -hmm. so they're out there talking and he uses the example about how everyone has a friend that is an expert in electronics it's Uh not you right you know like whoever you are you're like oh man my laptop's messed up and you think of who's the expert you would go to in your friend group yeah they're the maven Uh If they said, hey, there's a new product out on the market, you all need to pay attention to it. Most people wouldn't listen to them, but if the connector hears it, they start telling everyone, you know what the best product is? You know what the best product is? Because they think they have inside information. Uh That's how all this garbage and separation and division is being communicated. Mm -hmm. We have quote-unquote experts Mm -hmm. being heard by loudmouths who tell everyone that I found the truth, and it's in this person or this thought, and it is going like wildfire. Yeah. So the ability for someone to self-make themselves an an expert—self-make uh-huh. themselves—anyway, that was totally <laughs> redundant—self-proclaimed uh, experts, when in fact they may not be, or yeah. they may not be healthy, or they may not be wise, or they may not actually be educated, Yeah. for them— To be captured as an expert and then basically reproduced or regurgitated Mm -hmm.
0: amongst people with high influence,
1: that's how people are getting popular.
0: Yeah. And then stuff spreads. And too many of us, we've talked about this on on previous episodes, too many of us, we don't fact check things that, that, that go along with what we already think. So we hear things that go along with our own biases, assumptions or opinions and we don't care if it's true or not. None of us would ever admit that but it's true. We don't care if it's true or not. So we just embrace that which reinforces what we already think. And again, it and it's not even that necessarily the opinions are bad, but it reinforces this idea again that that those who think differently are to be shunned, those who think differently are to be mocked. I can't I can't, you know, be in relationship with people who think differently on me and than me and that's And that's just, that's really unfortunate. Now, um, as Christ followers, I mean, I I was, I've been kind of stewing on this the last couple of days. As as Christ followers, I believe it is so important for us to learn how to disagree well. Now, I've definitely got some (laughs) thoughts on this, but I want to hear from you first. Why as Christians should we care about learning to disagree well? Why does that matter? Ministry never stops. So he, he, what we
1: have done is we have created false compartmentalization, right? Where we say at work, I'm like this, mm-hmm. at home, I'm like this, at church, I'm like this. Yeah. That is actually a false reality. Yeah. It's make-believe. It would be considered fantasy mm-hmm. because the reality is, is that if Jesus is the Lord of your life, he's the Lord of your life. He's not a Lord of compartments. He's not the Lord who alters with you based upon your society or your Uh, group around you. Ministry never stops. You are always a representative of Jesus, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're in an argument, whether you are on a pulpit, whether or not you are in your cubicle. And so for a Christian, you do not get to just operate however you want to operate. That is not The lifestyle of a christian remember that christianity being a christian was originally a derogatory term to say you are a mimic you're a little christ you're trying to be just like him calling yourselves a christian means that you walk like he walked you act like he acts you treat people like he treats people you're never allowed to shut that off now do we yes we just need to call it what it is it's wrong yeah. If we are in a disagreement with someone else and we treat them unlike Jesus would argue, we are out of line. Yeah. And unfortunately, what we're seeing, right, not only in our church, but in our society, yeah. is that people are hitting a pause button, right? They're going, well, I'm not a Christian right now. I'm going to talk about my opinion and I'm going to act yeah. however I want to act just because I'm angry. Yeah. And they shut Jesus off. You cannot do that.
0: Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, the world is watching, right? The, All the, the time. The, the, the world is watching. I, I see division. I see the, the bad behavior of Christians. I see the willingness of, of Christ followers to just throw away relationships and, and leave churches, leave friendships, you know, whatever. And I, and, I, and I was kind of in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, how do, how do I explain this? Like if I ever have to how do I explain this to, to my non-Christian friends or family members? How do I explain that yes, this person is a Christian, these people are Christians and they can, just can't get along? Like that that what what are we showing a divided world if we say, well, actually we're just like you and actually in some ways we're worse because we take offense so easily and we divide so quickly. And 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 that to me that just it brings reproach upon the name of Jesus when we're so quick to to divide and discard relationships and it compromises it compromises our message. We have the greatest reason for unity that the world has ever seen. Yes. And G, and the the prayer that Jesus had was that we would be that we would be one. And, and I don't think that necessarily means uniformity, but I think it means doing the hard work of finding the way to remain united in the midst of our. Of our divisions? Does that mean we're not heartbroken when Christians behave badly and, and Christians advocate for things that are not Christ-like? Does that mean we can't call that what it is and and seek to you know begin dialogue and and build towards towards a healthier expression of Christianity? And you know, it doesn't mean we can't have those hard conversations but but again, when we're so quick to divide to reject one another oftentimes and you and I see this as pastors I mean, divide without even conversations. Yes. we just discard immediately.
1: Uh, that's the heartbreaking part. The
0: the world, the world mocks us for that and the right to do it because, because that's not who we're called. That's not who we're called to be. So I think as, as Christ fathers, we just have to recognize the world is always watching. Like you said, Lance ministry never stops. And because of that, we have an opportunity either to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit in us, in our ability to have conversations, to remain united, to not lose our head in the face of disagreement, or we can show the world actually we're just like you. We get to, we divide. We get offended. We get into our camps just as much as everybody else, and and it's really powerful when we make the right choice there, and it's really really sad when we don't. Man, it's so so
1: true. I, you know, when we when we talk about the church, and of course that's that's our lives, right? I mean, we're so heavily involved in church. Um, when someone leaves a church without dialogue. I think what blows our minds is that we view the church as a body. It's like a body part just says, I'm out. And you go, whoa, 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 you're so woven. And the problem is in their mind, they're not. Hmm. They're not woven in at all. They simply are on the periphery, and they're looking in and saying, I like, and I'm going to take what I want, and I'm going to reject what I don't, and so I can easily walk out of here. Yeah, We view it as family. Yeah, If you don't view church as family, it's easy to walk away. Mm-hmm. And you can do it over a disagreement, but once again, it goes back through. When you have a real family, you're forced to be together, even in disagreement. Right. You're forced to be together through difficult times. Um, the other thing that I have found, that is, and I think this has probably been the case since the beginning of the church, but very few people go to church to really learn and be challenged. I think yeah. we go to church to be reinforced in what we already think. And if the church doesn't think like us, we go to a church that does. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is there's no growth. Yeah, There's no movement. Right. Uh, you should be consistently challenged at church because they should be bringing up things that you went, you know what? I have not lived that way. Right. I do not see that. But wow, are you telling me that's what Jesus said? Right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Whereas, and once you're at a place where you go, "I already know everything Jesus said," we have a problem because, first of all, you've stopped learning, yeah. Second of all, you should be leading, teaching, guiding other people, and you're still looking to gather more information, yeah, and you go, whoa, 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 all this is so messed up, yeah, but I just think that, and something for you and I that um I think is very, very passionate in our hearts is that the church has to live in wisdom. Mm-hmm. And wisdom demands certain things. Mm-hmm. And I think it wisdom demands how to walk through disagreement
0: well. Yeah. So here's a question for you. This is a little bit of a of a tangent, but I I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. I, I love what you said about we need to we need to come to church not simply looking to be reinforced, but we need to be open to being challenged. We need to these aren't your words, but I'm more or less paraphrasing. We need to be able to have open hearts. To correction, essentially, absolutely, to say, uh, to say, man, I, I'm walking in here with a particular way of thinking, and I'm being shown from the scriptures something else. So I need to, I need to maybe be willing to make an adjustment instead of just writing this off and going and finding some random thing on Facebook to reinforce what I think. Right now, in a sense, that's easy for you and I to say because we're the ones who get the microphones on our face and we get to do the yep. challenging. Right. So how do how and and. and Folks who are listening might lead in different environments. How do we model that as leaders? An openness to being willing to be challenged and not just have our own agenda reinforced again and again, and not just be people who are only reinforcing our own agendas. How do we model that? Yeah. Um, So I, I think that
1: one of the problems with what's going on in church today is that people do not see church as an authority. Mm-hmm. So I think that we've done a big backlash. So like some of us maybe came from a Catholic background where mm-hmm. high church is much more, I'm going to say it, you're going to do it. We're not going to disagree,
0: yeah. right?
1: Like, or we're not going to debate it mm-hmm. for sure. If you disagree, that's your problem. You need to <laughs> suck it up because this is how we've done it for 2000 years. Yeah. Um, the problem is we swung the pendulum to the other side, which mm-hmm. is everyone's opinion in church is equal.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: think that that's correct. I think that, that God empowers and calls leadership to lead. hmm if that's the case, they have to have some authority to do so yeah. and take the church somewhere because if it's all just simply a democracy and there's no leadership, that's not that's not going to be helpful to the kingdom of God. And so um, taking it the posture of someone's a leader in my life, someone's an authority in my life and I need I need to consistently have the posture of learning, right So how can we role model it? Well in our own lives, are we allowing someone to dis- disagree with us? Are we like, for example, when I prepare uh, messages, I use relatively eight or nine commentaries, mm-hmm. and I get them to disagree. Yeah. Uh, and and when they disagree, it's in the disagreement I have to critically think through, what do I think? Yeah. Because I have two brilliant people saying opposite things, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to role model as a Christian leader. You guys, I'm constantly walking in tension. Yeah. I'm always inviting voices to disagree so that I can critically think through. Yeah. Right? I think the other thing is that for you and I, it's very tempting that we're always the authority. We never submit to an authority. Mm-hmm. Do you place yourself into areas of authority? I've had all kinds of challenges for people with people that I've deemed an authority mm-hmm. in my life. And I listen to podcasts. I listen to teachers who don't reinforce my opinions. Mm -hmm. I let them challenge me. I invite that challenge what about you? Yeah, how do, no, how do you do it? How do you I, role model
0: it? That's great. No, I think I think what you, what you said is absolutely right. It, is, it's exposing ourselves to different points of view. It's being honest publicly. And I think you do a great job of this. I tried to kind of model this even in teaching this last weekend of times where you come up against multiple perspectives on an issue and you're able to just present both and say, hey, we're not really sure what's exactly right here. I yep. mean, you've done that in, in weekend services all the time. And I, I think that shows an openness to different sorts of, of ideas And, and and I think you're right. I think on the one hand there has to be confident leadership. Yep. And then that leadership in turn has to be motivated by love for God and love for people. And then, and then you're right that there need to be places where we're constantly learning and being challenged and just aware of our own biases and even potential blind spots. And that we're kind of pressing on those enough. And then we have the humility to do that, to know that, Hey, There are gaps in my knowledge, and I feel like if there's one one benefit of being people who who study theology and and lead pastorally as a living, I mean, my goodness, is there there a field that more reinforces the idea the more you know, the more you realize you don't know? Oh, man. There's a humility that comes from just realizing, if you're paying attention. Yeah, if you're paying attention, there's so much out there. So anyway, all right, so we've talked a lot about disagreement and the challenges of disagreement and why is there disagreement. I want to spend most of the remainder of our episode talking about just what are some principles that we can take into disagreements to help us disagree and debate well. We don't just want to sit here and lament, gosh, we don't do this well as a society, though I think it is important to present that case as we have. We want to get very practical about how can we as Christ followers be people who engage debate, engage controversial issues, advocate for our own perspectives, in a way that is, that is healthy and Christ-honoring. So why don't you start us off, Lance? What's maybe yep. a, a principle that we can take into conversations that, that can be helpful? Okay, so this
1: one is going to—I I need to put in a little bit of uh, vulnerability in this and, and explain it a little bit, but here's the premise. It's not personal. Okay, uh, you're going to—the idea is, well, hold on. What we are looking for is truth. Truth is not personal. It is something that we're chasing after. In other words, I don't think any right-thinking Christian should say, I'm okay believing falsehood. I'm okay believing lie. Mm -hmm. So I think that all of us can begin at the place that what we really want is truth. We don't want to constantly live in deception. Mm -hmm. But if we're really pursuing truth and not to win an argument, then it's not personal. Now, having said that, That means that not only do we not need to see it as personal towards us, but we can't get personal about it by personal attack,
0: Hmm. right? Okay.
1: So that's going to be my premise. Here's where I need to put the caveat in. All right. I consider myself very comfortable with people disagreeing. That is not true. I'm very comfortable with disagreements in areas that I don't take personally. (laughs) So, for example, some people will disagree with me on biblical stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. People will disagree with me on political stuff. I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in a conversation where I feel like someone's going to get hurt and harmed, I'm not, I don't budge. I actually dig in my heels and become very obstinate. I'm actually not okay with disagreement on that. (laughs) I'm, I'm, because in my mind, I've suddenly made it personal. I've made it something that's a non-negotiable, and I do not move. I become a very fierce opponent, mm-hmm. and I've had that happen a lot, and sometimes it was healthy, mm-hmm. sometimes it really was not. So I'm not trying to say that I'm always comfortable with disagreement. No, no, no. In most areas that other people get passionate about, that's not my passion. Right. I'm completely cool with somebody going, you know what, Pastor, uh, you view that it's a literal six-day creation. I, I don't. I don't think that that fits the facts. I think that God created in stages or what have you, Mm -hmm. or when the Lord's coming back, or even if they say, you know what, I'm really wrestling right now with the concept of the Trinity being fully taught, even core issues, if someone views it different, women in ministry, if uh, any other controversial stuff, LGBTQ stuff, uh, um, issues that are close to my heart. I'm actually, I live in a world where you can disagree with me and I can love you.
0: You're able to care a lot about it without the fact that there's disagreement being a relationship deal breaker. Absolutely.
1: But I also want to be honest that there are some issues that become very personal to me and they shock me. Mm -hmm. And usually it's defending someone that is an underdog. Right. When I get into protection and defense mode, I become far less willing. Yeah to allow another opinion. What about you? So,
0: so well. So real quick, follow up. That. How does, yeah. how does that, that self-awareness, I mean, has that, al- has that helped you kind of improve in those areas? Or are you kind of like, you know, these are issues that are important enough that some level of, of to use your word, obstinance is kind of necessary. I mean, how, how do you yeah. navigate that? Here's where, I, um, what I've found
1: is over and over, I'm embarrassed by it, okay? Because it's not that the issue shouldn't be stood up for. Mm-hmm. It's how I became, in the conversation so for example you know you always see these old uh horror movies maybe you don't but uh (laughs) you have have these old horror movies (laughs) where someone it's like Jekyll and Hyde and he's like I'm becoming a monster you know (laughs) okay that's how I feel in in like uh, there's been conversations that I have become a monster Mm -hmm. or I have way not handled it well. Yeah. Okay. Those I'm consistently disappointed in. And I am growing and I'm getting better at them. Yeah. But they are shockingly deep-rooted yeah. in me. So I'm having a hard time. But what I have done better is that I'm recognizing the issue still needs to be fought for. Mm-hmm. The problem's with me.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, I think that level of self-awareness is critical. And that kind of relates to a, a principle that I want to bring in is is paying attention to our emotions in disagreements. And and I and I love what you said about about kind of not getting stressed out about people thinking differently on on supposedly controversial, not even supposedly on controversial issues. And and I more or less agree with that. Like to me, I can have a conversation with somebody and not get not get real worked up, even if I think what I think is wrong. I, I don't have a problem, you know. I don't get real worked up by the disagreement. I was talking to a guy last night, and we were describing a different situation, and and I just said how, uh, oh, you know, I was in this conversation, and and I don't really scare easily in terms of, oh gosh, wow, they think that I need to freak out immediately. Like that's just not really my my mo. But here's my point: we need to pay attention to our emotions in conversations and debates because oftentimes. Undue emotion is more about our identity than about the issue.
1: Oh, so true. That,
0: that if we find ourselves unable to listen, unable to discuss an issue rationally, um, if we find ourselves digging in our heels too much, then that could be a sign for us that we're finding our identity in our perspective. And that, to me, is so dangerous. I've always said one of the most dangerous things in the world is a perspective that can't be changed by facts. And by the way, there's tons of research now saying that facts don't change our minds, which is... Scary. But unsettling. A whole, it's a whole nother issue, very unsettling. But but to me, even that, I was reading an article about that the other day. It to me, it's such an issue of identity. We find our identity in this is my position on X, Y, and Z. And so we feel like to change our mind would be to admit failure. Yes. Or to apologize would be to admit failure. And it's only failure if we find our identity in those things. That's right. If our identity is in Christ, then I just don't need to get I can be passionate about an issue. But I don't need to get personal and emotional about it because you know, if you present information that persuades me to think differently, okay. And there's even some gift in that that if I've been wrong, like, okay, now I don't have to be wrong anymore because I've been persuaded. So, so I think it's just critical that we pay attention to our emotions and pay attention to what that's saying about our identity. So, so how about you?
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. So a couple things on that. First, let me let me push back a little bit um, that. I think because of how you order your life, you're able to do that. Whereas other people, uh, like you're very factual, you're very logical, and um, it's it's easier for you. Here, here, but here's the reality that I, I don't think that you may be acknowledged, okay. which is there's cost to being wrong. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let's say I convince you that you are wrong in an area, but you have now not only led other people and guided other people in that area, you now need to go back and fix it. Mm. Not only that, but it unwinds how you have set your life in motion. Let's say, for example, I came to you and I said, owning a home is wrong. There's mm. a cost to being wrong.
0: I have a vested interest a in vested defending interest. my perspective. Yes. There. And yeah? so
1: you go, you go, well, we need to be non-emotional. Well, here's the reality. <laughs> the reality is you got to sell your home yeah. and you and your family need to be homeless because Jesus didn't own a home. You know, you understand uh-huh, what sure, I'm saying, yeah. like so. It's okay to be non-emotional as long as it's theoretical.
0: I guess maybe, maybe emotional was the wrong word. Maybe it's it's we get kind of. Um, I mean, because I, I see your point. Getting emotional, sort of leading into irrational. <laughs>
1: there you go. So maybe that's irrationality. The better issue. Why is it working you up so much over to the other side that you're irrational? Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Um. And so one of my principles goes right alongside. You know, uh-huh. we didn't actually talk about our principles before no, we got on the we're air. We're surprising so. each other here. This is um, fun. But so, the one of my principles is don't panic. There's mm-hmm. time to fix it. So, yeah. what I tend to do when I do get emotional into issues that touch my heart is I immediately panic that things are getting out of control. Mm. If I don't steer this conversation right, bad things are going to happen. Yeah. As opposed to saying we're in a dialogue, and the dialogue is not over yet. Mm-hmm. Don't panic. Not only that, even after it's completed does not mean we can't dialogue again. Where I I slip into this, now's the time. This is the (laughs) only time we can talk about this. And a lot of my panic comes from that. There's no time to fix the situation. Um, One other piece on this is I remember sitting with, I was uh, visiting with a therapist Mm -hmm. over my panic disorder issues. But while I had her... I was like, hey, I need to talk through the fact that I'm getting way too worked up in some battle engagements with people. Uh And she said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Next time somebody is in a conversation with you, I want you to look at yourself from the outside in and go watch how you're acting. Well, what that does is it shifts your mindset (laughs) to going, oh, my gosh, you're getting so emotional. I'd really rather not like what is wrong with you? And you start analyzing yourself almost like you're looking at yourself and you're going, man, look at your heart rate. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. When you do that, it takes you out of that emotional state and says, is this healthy? Mm -hmm. Am I simply reacting? Or am I making good, healthy decisions?
0: Anyway, those are a couple of thoughts. Great, great, great point. Don't, don't pan- and So, I want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly because if I am, I, that kind of leads into another one of my my principles. So, so don't panic in terms of don't feel like you need to solve disagreement right now, immediately, right now. Yes. Yeah.
1: Or if if you do not win this argument, the world is going to
0: hell. Right. You understand what right. I mean? Like, yeah. stop with the drama. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and that that to me. Uh, very much relates to my next principle which is is don't fixate on areas of disagreement yes you talk about sort of, here's the stereotypical example. You get the family together at Thanksgiving and you have to deal with your crazy uncle who posts all the, you know, fake news on Facebook and everything. And you're like, oh man, how's this going to go? Well, I've got one of those. I'll tell you how it's going to go. You know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about his business. We're going to talk about his golf game. We're going to talk about how he likes living in the new town he lives in. Yep. We're going to talk about all sorts of different things. We're not going to talk politics. We're not going to talk social issues. We're not Because it's just why, why do we need to do that? We can talk about, even I think about people that I interact with on a more regular basis where I'm like, man, we sure do think differently on a lot of issues. And you know what? We don't talk about that stuff. We talk about things where we do agree. We talk about friendship type stuff, even between you and I, we could sit here and have a pretty rousing debate yep. about a, several different issues. And, and Hey, you know, we've had long car rides where maybe we do that. And there's enough foundation of friendship that neither one of us is getting too, no, too worked up over it. And it's fun. But at the same time, I mean, we talk dozens of times per week. Yes. Like how often are we like, Hey Lance, we really need to talk about this issue what we where, disagree on. where we think differently. No, we just don't. And it's not, and I want to be clear because some people are like, well, is that sweeping issues under the rug? And I would just say, no, it's not. It's just not letting a relationship be defined by issues that don't like need to define your relationship and division. Yeah. So whether it's, I'm seeing people at church on the weekend, or I see people out in the community or, or friends or family members, I am always keeping a list, you know, kind of a mental list in my head if I'm getting ready to engage with somebody of, hey, what are different things that we can talk about to enjoy one another? And you know, okay, hey, they 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 don't like that I think this way about whatever. You know, like if they bring it up, then okay, I'll I will i have disciplined myself enough that I know how to have those conversations without inflaming the situation, but I want to just try to talk about things that allow us to be friends, allow us to build a greater foundation of relationship so that maybe if the time comes to talk about other issues, we can. But I just want to encourage people, man, there, there's so much you can talk about with just about anybody other than the things that you disagree. And I've even counseled people. I had people in my office not too long ago and I, I was counseling them saying, they're like, man, how do we deal with these family members that are saying these things we really have our time with. I think you have one hard conversation saying, hey, listen, we love you. We want there to be a relationship. For that to happen, we need to not talk about these these issues. We need to talk about really anything else. And to do that, I, I think, can really Im- improve our ability to coexist with people even when there's disagreement. Let me back you up
1: on that because... Uh, there is going to be an awful lot of listeners that are going to go, that's sweeping under the rug. Maybe you're Mm -hmm. raised in a household where we don't talk about difficult things. We don't Mm -hmm. talk about what we disagree in. I completely disagree with that view, right? Which is Mm -hmm. that we assume that if we disagree, there is an answer and a resolution. And we need to fight till we get there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that that's wise. What we ultimately do is we say, until you agree with me, I can't be with you anymore. That is a wrong mindset. Right. I think, once again, what we're trying to train here is we need to have relationship with disagreement, not only relationships without disagreement. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not sweeping under the rug when everyone is clear on where they stand. Right. Right. Listen, uh, if let's say um, you and I are brothers mm-hmm. and you very clearly stand one way mm-hmm. and I stand on the other way, we have a decision to make. Do we divide or do we continue to have relationship? Yeah. I don't need you to keep reminding me that you disagree with me.
0: Yes. And that's, I think that's kind of the point I'm getting at. Absolutely.
1: Exactly that. And that's why I'm saying it's so yeah. wonderful what you're saying because we're clear and we've addressed the issue. Yes. But people think they have to ramrod it. Right. You have to bring it up every time. Or else we can't have a relationship. That is incorrect.
0: Yeah. yeah we can like,
1: have a relationship. And if you were honest, just talking to all of our listeners, if you were honest, there's not one person in your entire life that you agree with everything. Yep. You only have relationships with disagreement. Totally. The question is, where are you going to focus? Yeah. Are you going to focus on unity or division?
0: I remember once I had someone actually look me in the eye and say, well, why should I hang around with people who disagree with me? because that's the only I, kind of people I that was ex- just <laughs> dumbfounded. I just couldn't believe that someone had actually asked me that question but yes uh, let anyway. me yeah let me let me give you another All right. principle. All right one more for you, one more for me and then we'll uh, one closing question we'll, we'll call it a day. go ahead. okay, good. I only have one more. Well perfect. All right, praise the Lord.
1: Um, this is the principle you're not king you got to go into disagreements. You're not king. Mm-hmm. There has to be a humility because there's another way to look at it. Yep. You do not have the corner market on truth. You are not seeing it all the way around. You're, from your perspective with your current set of facts, you have made a rational good decision and you think it is right. There's nothing wrong with that. You're allowed to go into a debate or a disagreement or whatever and say, I believe I'm right. Why the heck would you not? If you knew you were wrong, why wouldn't you change your opinion? So people are always like, Oh, you always think you're right. Of course I do, or I change it. <laughs> I
0: would change my thinking.
1: That's completely <laughs> absurd. Why would you even say that? Well, Ant, you always think that you're right. Yes, I yeah. do. Nobody consciously thinks they're wrong. No. And persists. No. Now yeah. I'm not right, but I think I'm right. right.
0: So where I'm misthinking, I need to be corrected. Yeah. yeah, we want to be open to correction. Being open to correction is different than actively admitting you're like, yeah. Or yes. holding a bogus <laughs> view. Don't right. do that. So, but here's what you have to do. You have to walk in and say,
1: although I believe I am accurate, yeah. I do not believe I am king. And there's a huge difference there because what a king does is talk down to a subject. Hmm. What a king does is say, regardless of facts, I win here. Yeah. that posturing of putting yourself above someone else and talking down to them or demoting them in your mind that lack of humility will cause destruction right every disagreement we walk into you walk in humble saying only god knows i think i have a good idea but i might be wrong yeah so that would be my
0: principle i, I, I love that i mean the i think about the idea from from it's in first peter chapter 2 the idea of honoring everyone yes. the idea of the, the just just having the honor and respect for people to not talk down, to not believe, like you said, that, that we're the king and we're the boss all the time. And, uh, but it's, uh, it's like so many things. It's, it's fascinating to me how easy it is to for us to fall into that, that way of thinking. Yeah. The
1: demise, um, according to the, the guru of counseling, the demise of all marriages, the leading horseman of the destruction of marriages is contempt. Yeah and contempt means you treat someone as if they're lower than you. Well, our society is doing that all the time. That's why there's a demise of so many relationships.
0: Man, that's so true. So true. So, all right. So my last, my last principle is, is this pay attention to your environments, pay attention to your environments. And that's, that's both what's going on inside of you, kind of your internal environment. And then your, your external environment, there are different, different environments that are more conducive to constructive dialogue than than others. Yes. So, um, you were talking earlier about something that has now completely slipped my mind. And yeah, that happens a lot. Us, so, <laughs> all right, uh, but <laughs> I was going to make a point based on something you had said. But so, for example, I uh, there are different environments where constructive dialogue is almost impossible. Like for example, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I really want to engage in thoughtful dialogue and possibly change my opinion on an issue. So I'm going to go start commenting on it on social media. Nope. Nobody who comments on social media is there to be persuaded. Nobody. So I always tell people here are all of the situations where it's a good idea to argue on social media. Done. That's my whole list. (laughs) That's my whole list. Ever, 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 ever. And even as personally, like I'll use my personal social media pages as a teaching tool sometimes to share things. And every now and then I share things that, you know, people, people don't like, or, you know, whatever. I, I, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm happy to sit down and talk with people, but I'm not going to get into debates in, in comment sections with people. I just absolutely, that's a, that's a principle of my life no facebook twitter whatever debating it's just not constructive i'm not saying that nothing good has ever come out of it but i'm saying it's I, an I, incredibly I, difficult environment right and let's and here here's this is this is a little bit maybe direct to put it gently ironically but the internet is a very safe place for cowards Oh, yeah. And on the internet, we say things and behave in ways we would never behave face to face. Nope. so so somebody that doesn't have the courage to sit and have a conversation will easily get on the internet and and flame somebody. yep. and and we go that direction because it's easy. yeah. so so don't so don't do that. And then similarly, even in your 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 personal relationships, there are times that it's just not appropriate to bring up controversial issues. There are times when it's just not appropriate to bring up something that you're hurt by that you need to talk about. Like I, I use the stereotype of the family dinner. If you've if you've got a hurt with your sister or brother, and you're at a family dinner with twenty people, like that's probably not the right time to bring it up. You're not going to have a constructive dialogue about it uh, if you're all the stuff about you think about. you're hungry, you're tired, you're lonely, all that other stuff. If emotionally, how are you doing? Are you in a place where you can discuss an issue constructively? That's that's internal environment. Are are you rushed? Are you frazzled? Is the person you're talking to uh, having a tough time? I mean, anybody who's married knows that they have to gauge conversations with their spouse Amen. based on how their spouse is doing, right? So so pay attention to. Where you're having conversations, and I, I would I would strongly urge not spend a lot of time in environments where debate is the point. Oh, I know what I was gonna say. You're talking about how you have like debates on stage where it's not really a debate because mm-hmm. you're not looking to be persuaded. Right. Avoid those types of environments. Right. But walk into environments where respectful, civil dialogue can happen, and walk into those environments in a in a confident but humble state of mind.
1: No, I think that's brilliant. Uh, Realizing that environments have limitations and boundaries. One of the things that you and I um, uh, as pastors that preach from a pulpit or a lectern as that environment is really selective about what you can and can't do from there because you're speaking to a large audience. When you speak to a large audience, just like with media, There's limitations. You're going to walk into significant trouble bringing up certain issues when there's not room for debate. There's not room for conversation. There's no time to get into it. There's no way to fully express yourself. Oh, gosh. So, in other words, we're aware all the time of the massive limitations of what you can and can't do from the pulpit. Yep. Well, people like to pretend that those limitations don't exist on them. Every conversation environment has limitations. You need to be aware of what they are and work within them.
0: Absolutely. So so final thing I want to I want to touch on is such a big part of having conversation and having effective productive conversation, not even about controversial issues, but but about anything is is listening. Is just, is deeply listening to people, and there's obviously plenty in our, our society, whether it's our phones in our pockets or our own wandering minds, that kind of war against listening deeply to one another. Just briefly, can we maybe talk for a second? What are what's a practical tip or just a practical way that 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 we can become better listeners to one another? I'm sorry, can you repeat the
1: question? I wasn't listening. Ha ha. <laughs> okay, that was a terrible uh, joke. Here we go. Um, uh, two principles, uh, at least in my mind, number one, don't prep your answer first while, while someone else is talking. You just stole mine. Don't I'm prep gonna interrupt your you. I'm going to stop listening. <laughs> That's not new, Brian. Go on. <laughs> uh, don't, don't prep your answer first because here's what we normally do. We, we hurry up to get to our next turn and we're waiting to design something to bash them over the head with. As opposed to listening. See, hearing somebody and listening are two different things. There's a depth to one and there's a surfaceness to the other. It's the same thing that when my wife says, I need you to take out the garbage. I heard her.
0: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The words made it in. uh, The words made
1: it in only because I can't close my ears on purpose, (laughs) right? You can close your eyes, but you can't close your ears. Um, So I heard that. And then there's a time when she's got, did you hear what I said? And what she was saying was, are you present? Hmm. I don't think that we're present in most of our debates. I think that we're saying, okay, you swing, I'll defend, then I swing and you defend, like a fight. Right. And that is actually not listening. Uh, Listening means that you're internalizing and you're processing what they're saying.
0: Yeah. And if we really value relationships over being right, which is a principle I I didn't get to from earlier— then we'll be more inclined to do that. But but you know, all joking aside, that really was what I what I was gonna say, which is yeah, exactly what you said in conversation, have the humility and the love. As yes. I as I walked through this in my early years of marriage, not that we fought a lot, but we did fight. Yeah. And I, I had to realize, gosh, I'm not even listening to what she's saying right now. I'm formulating my defense. Yep. And I had to g- go through the discipline of saying, no, I'm gonna listen and listen deeply. My first job is to listen. My second job is to affirm what I can, even in the midst of an argument. Okay, Absolutely. what did she say that I can say? Yes, that that is correct. And yep. you're right about that. Even if it me- means I have to say, you're right, I was wrong. Yes. And then once I've done those things, then I can say, well, okay, here's where, here's where I think we're wrong. But all right, <laughs> here's where I think you're wrong. But <laughs> if I'm being honest, but but the point is, is, is really kind of turning off that voice in our minds that just goes into defense mode right away yep. so that we can listen deeply to one another.
1: Yeah. Loading our cannons. Uh, well, and the thing is, is re- revisiting it full circle, love kept you at the table. Yep. If you storm off a table, there's a lack of love because you're valuing winning more than relationship. Uh, so I'll finish that last one. Um, since I stole yours, the second one is in any disagreement, seek truth. Yeah. Seek truth. And if truth means you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah seek truth and it shifts it away from that irrationality and it says wait wait, wait. do you have information that i need mm-hmm. now i may sift through and go your first nine points totally bogus <laughs> sorry i don't think those are accurate but if you still have a point why am i not internalizing that if it's true true right
0: Absolutely. Uh, well said, Lance. Uh, thanks for the discussion today. Really, really interesting stuff. Want to encourage you, our listeners. Hopefully this conversation was helpful for you, but but more than that, we hope it gives you something that you can, you can go out and apply. So take some time, have a cup of coffee with someone, uh, invite them to, to have a conversation, listen deeply, uh, listen out of love, value relationships, and as Christ followers, we have an extraordinary opportunity to show the world our unity with our ability to get along with and love those we disagree with without just breaking fellowship immediately. So uh, let's go out there and do that. Uh, if we do that, we'll be able to show the world the touch of God's love. So thanks so much for joining us on Engaging Culture. We'll see you next week, first week of November for episode 12. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided
0: by Dexter Britton.